All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 506. Jason Lingren is with me and returning is Dr. William Trebbing. We're going to be getting into a thing called neurofeedback, among other things. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a hot good morning. Yeah, it's I'm st- we're still wait. Well, spring's here, but the weather is just bizarre to say the least. Oh, before we get in, people have been filming the double sun. Apparently, there are fires up in Canada, which have masked the sun enough so people can look at it naked eye because there's so much smoke in the air but i saw three different images and videos shot by people and what i'm noticing is that other body whatever it is is so close to the sun that under normal conditions the glare of the sun would be hiding it at least now i saw a video shot within the last three days but that's neither here nor there we've got to jump into the episode at hand and rose just pinged me double sun episodes that we have done are 150 155 and 306.5. Anyhow, welcome, Dr. Trebbing. Thank you, Crow, Jason, Rose. So lovely to be back with all you friends. And uh, I mean, I want to hear more about that. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just like you can't hold the carrot out there and say, hey, we're going to talk about that later. No, talk about it now. All right. Let's talk about it right now. The double sun. (laughs) And the first time that I filmed it was 2015. I filmed it with a really cheapy, actually it wasn't so cheap, but it was a lower quality solar scope. All I, I could saw afford. that. I saw that, by the way. It was yeah. fascinating. It's in Shoot the Moon. A little bit of the footage is in Shoot the Moon. The problem at the time for me was I had not uh, maybe hundreds of hours, if that, on the solar scope. And I had thousands of hours, many thousands of night sky viewing. So I wasn't too keen about you know, making claims, but I knew, uh, I did all the tests. I knew it wasn't a reflection and all the astronomy people were all crow. You know, you don't know your butt from a hole in the ground. That's a reflection in the double stack. It wasn't, but what I have come to know is that there is another object reflection or body out there. Uh, it could be my guess is at this point, the source for our sun, the binary for our sun or some unknown thing, but I'm, relatively sure that it's related to some, but here's the kicker. And Jason, you're going to remember this better than me because you always do. Remember at the very end of the sequel to 2001, a space odyssey uh, called 2010 with Roy Scheider when they're closing. If I remember, yeah, if I, it's better than 2001, actually, Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, there's a soliloquy. Someone's having a little speech on the way out. And I think Roy Scheider says something to the effect of, can you imagine the next generation growing up in the new era with two sons? Do you remember that, Jason? Yeah, that's in the movie. What they don't put in the movie that's in the book is the name of that second son. What is that? I knew you'd know. Go. The name is Lucifer. Ah, Oh, boy. The light bearer, the light bearer, the light something. Anyhow, so the main thing was, as I posted it, got all kinds of heat and I wasn't even being myself, like making bold claims the way I typically do when I've done the work and I'm as sure as I can be. But what I can tell you now is there's something there and it's related to the sun and it's a big deal. Um, That's why I saved up all this time to get my solar scope that I have now, which is big. It's just it's almost nearly impossible these days to get a clear shot. Uh, With the scope, the size of the one I have, you have to have good seeing and my field of view is limited and I need five hours at a crack uh, to do what I'm going to try to do. But 
Well, if it's there, it is there. I mean, it's undeniable, right? I mean, so this is the thing. In that movie, and I loved that movie uh, because it certainly portrayed the conflicts going on on Earth and yada, yada, yada. Back then it was between the Russians and whatever, you know, whatever nonsense was happening. But they, uh, the concept in that science fiction story, I believe, was that Jupiter was an immature star and that it, when it exploded uh, or transformed, let's say, it became the second bright object in the star, the second sun at the distance that it's at. And uh, with all the different satellites that Jupiter has going around it, okay, all the different uh, other planets, the moons of Jupiter, then became, along with now Jupiter that was a sun, its own mini solar system. That was the idea. So Q Jason, who is the knower of all films and the reader of all film books, if I'm not <laughs> mistaken, Jason, that was supposed to be Saturn and not Jupiter, but they claimed they couldn't pull it off on film at that point. But take it away, Jason. What is it actually? So the original 2001 novel has them going to Saturn. The Kubrick movie has them going to Jupiter. The claim is that they couldn't make the rings look realistic enough and Kubrick was very picky. Okay. Maybe. But it could also be a dead giveaway about symbolism. But what about the Roy Scheider film, where uh, they, they they were actually going to Jupiter there, and wasn't didn't they wasn't that Jupiter that turned into a second sun? Yeah, but that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. They based it on the book, but they couldn't pull off Saturn, so they switched it to Jupiter. Okay. So the novel of two thousand one, it's Saturn. The movie of two thousand one, it's Jupiter, and then they just kept it as Jupiter in all of the subsequent sequels the movie 2010, and the three novel sequels. Wouldn't that make sense, though? Because Jupiter is more in a gaseous state than we think anyway, you know, and it's got all those moons around it. I don't think so. I think the occult meaning is the one that matters. I don't know what you think, Jason. I think they they pushed out. I think they didn't use Saturn because it would have been too close to home for people who get the occult meanings. What do you think? Right, and I don't think they had necessarily an intention to write sequels, but Arthur C. Clarke was prolific. Who wrote that sequel? That Scheider started. Arthur C. Clarke wrote all four books, but the first story was a bit of a collaboration with him and Kubrick. Oh, so that was an add-on to the same theme then to 2001. They just expanded on it. Correct. It's a play on the very end of 2001. The big thing that everyone remembers is, oh my God, it's full of stars. So as the, as the, the planets... Monolith. Yeah, the, the, the well, big black no, monolith. The big right. planet gets a hole in it or it turns into a black hole looking thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the astronauts is looking into it and he says something like, oh, my God, it's full of stars. So that's really where the pickup is, isn't it, Jason? Yeah, they actually didn't put that in the original movie, funny enough, but they put it in the 2010 movie because it was relevant. There you go. Anyhow, my big statement, which I've made for a long, long, many years now, there's another body near the sun under the right conditions. You can see it. It is my point of view. That a big reason for the chemtrailing across the ecliptic, which is the path of the sun and the moons, when I say ecliptic, is to obscure us detecting that other body. That's not the whole reason. Weather modification, blocking lights. But if you, like I took an 8,000 mile road trip between 8 and 10,000 miles with my nephew around this country. Every single freaking day. The sun was blocked at rise when we hit the road and it was blocked. And I was thinking, how can they possibly be doing this? It doesn't matter where, you know, and then I began to realize as I thought it out 
um, it's sight lines. But the point is, I suspect that with your naked eyes under the right seeing conditions at set and rise, particularly sunset, you can detect this. I am convinced that if many thousands of people simply took their high definition cameras out and started filming, they would get it. And here's the thing. When the sun is setting, the glare is reducing. And so I think that most of the time when I shot it, it was about two sun widths to one side and one sun width up. When another guy confirmed what I shot, I think it was below, but about the same distance. What I saw from last week and the last few days ago was it's almost touching the sun. And as it set, it was above it. And at set, it was below it or the reverse of that. My point is, is this is real and it's happening. And at some point, they won't be able to hide it anymore. Now, I photograph the sunsets quite a bit. I post them on Facebook because they're beautiful here. I live in Greenwich, Connecticut, and I go down to the beach three, four times a week. And particularly at sunset, just to see it. And, you know, take a picture of it with my cell phone. Is this something people can see as it's going down? They talk about the green flash, yada, 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 you know, all that stuff. Is this something people can see with the naked eye? If they're yes. looking in the right direction. So you're saying two sun widths up and right or two sun, two sun widths up and left? Or No, because the footage I saw is recent, like within the last week or so. The fires are going on in Canada right now. Do you guys, I don't watch the news. Are the fires going on in Canada right now? I don't watch the news either. Jason? That's what I actually don't know, but I'm sure we can look it up quick. Okay, so the first one I saw was from like South Dakota or what you know, somewhere up there, and they were filming because of the smoke, and he videoed the double sun. Oh yeah, there's lots of them right now, Jason. Yep. Yeah. So so it's right now what I just saw. So basically, it is so close to the sun that under normal conditions, the glare of the sun would make it wash. You know, you wouldn't be able to see it. But again, as the sun goes down. The UV goes down, the glare of the sun goes down, all the short light waves get cut. That's why, you know, the last thing you see is the longest light waves, like the reds kind of thing. Under the right conditions, you can see it with your naked eye. And what happens a lot is people take stills and then they see it later. But what you should do is take video and move the camera around so that you can prove it is a fixed stationary object. In other words, not some kind of lens flare or something going on with electronic camera. Anyhow, guys, there's our big bonus of the double sun. I feel like we should probably get to the topic at hand. Okay. Before we get into the notes, can you actually just explain what neurofeedback is, please, Dr. Trimming? Sure. Neurofeedback is a science of correcting an imbalanced electrical brain, and it's been around since, you know, well before the time of a pretty hideous scientist named B.F. Skinner. Everybody heard of B.F. Skinner? Yes. Operant conditioning, right? Actually, yes. Yeah. Shocking mice and, you know, getting them to go in certain directions and things like that. Terrible things. Terrible things, right. But uh, what it does is, of course, anything could be used for good or bad, right? And from scientists like him and, and others, we found that, you know, neurofeedback, training the brain could also be used for training it uh, into, a, into balance, Right. Rather than, you know, mind control, which, you know, <laughs> it certainly could, you know, be used for evil as well. But the neurofeedback franchises that are out there work to balance imbalanced brains. If, if I was going to put it 
you know, in the easiest way form for people who are not science-minded. For people who are science-minded, you know that the brain consists of gray and white matter, and those gray and white matters are neurons, all right? And neurons are nerve cells. Not all nerve cells are created equal. We know from science that there are nerve cells that keep you awake to have this wonderful conversation that we're having right now. There are nerve cells that you use to do complicated calculus math problems. There are nerve cells you use to do your creative poetry work. There are nerve cells you use to sit around with a friend and drink a glass of wine. And there are nerve cells that you have that put you to sleep. And there are nerve cells which send you into higher consciousness uh, when you're in a deep, deep sleep to go into your dream state. We know maybe, maybe 10% of how the brain operates. And, and we know even less, maybe 5% of the consciousness that contain, is contained within the nervous system. Because when you're talking about nerve energy, you're really talking about consciousness, all right? On a physical level, we, we know that consciousness to be nerve flow, and it's electrical. Now, as human beings, especially uh, in Varpa Yuga and Kali Yuga, which we talk about sometimes, Crow, right? Sure, of course. Within these traumatic yugas, we're certainly a, we're not a stone's throw from Sattva Yuga, where we're realized and we have, and we're at that particular place in the cosmos again, where we're getting more light. Um, we're working our way back there now in this twenty-six thousand or some odd year cycle. We're just starting to get more light and to wake up. But you know, we understand. I, I've always told my kids and in, in all of my lectures, I say that today's spirituality is tomorrow's science. You know, and as we become more integrated beings, third, fourth, and fifth dimensionally, we come out of the third dimension, which is just the physicality. And the third dimensional neurologist will say, okay, it's just the nervous system and you cut this nerve and then that's it, you know, nothing happens. But if we, as a chiropractic physician, you know, chiropractic has always brought in natural healing uh, and how to stimulate the body to heal itself and all things all things removing blocks from the infinite energy the nerve flow okay which is able to just heal itself you know and another thing we say in chiropractic is the body needs no help it just needs no interference all right so really natural healing is about removing all interference patterns and that's what neurofeedback does as well a chiropractic adjustment will take a bone off a nerve and many of us have received great chiropractic adjustments, and you're like, wow, it's life-changing. Okay. Neurofeedback removes the electrical blockages that people have. And I mentioned, you know, Varpa Yuga and Kali Yuga, uh, because these are traumatic times that we're experiencing. These are also dark times that we're experiencing. So due to the trauma, due to the darkness, uh, we experience certain amounts of trauma and blocks and um, that particular dysfunction that we experience, uh, the stress that we experience on a daily life, just from living your life and trying to pay your bills, all right, all of that throws the brain off, okay? All of that dysregulates, which is another a term we use in neurology, dysregulates the brain. Now, what does that mean, dysregulation? It means that I mentioned, you know, all those different nerve cells I just mentioned, the ones that keep you awake, the ones that, the ones that help you sleep, 
the ones that help you write poetry. All of them need to fire, if you will, electrically in a organized pattern in order for you to be a fully functioning human being and to feel you know, your connection to source, your connection to God, all right? And also uh, to be able to live in the third dimension and do your physical tasks, right? So what neurofeedback does is due to the stress that creates the dysregulation, neurofeedback, uh, when done properly, okay, using a series of lights, which are electrons, okay, from a screen, and also uh, sounds, will regulate the dysregulated brain. Does that make sense? And within that regulation, the person starts feeling a more of a connection to their source, to that source nerve energy, which can then flow properly. And the amount of healing that can that that occurs within so many different so many different conditions is absolutely astounding. This is one of the practices I have going in two states, in South Carolina and in Connecticut, which are the two places that we live. And in the Connecticut office, it really uh, has taken off over the past 15 years. And the offices are predicated on results. And as the program regulates the brain, we notice that people just spontaneously, when they have more nerve flow flowing in the proper direction through regulation of the brain, the body just heals itself from so many different conditions. And, and we're talking about the obvious, the main thing we treat you know, our attentional issues, memory issues, past stroke, anger, depression, anxiety. I mean, these are all the basic things. Um, and I can explain the science uh, here for another two or three hours because it fascinates me. My wife's a psychologist, as you all know, and it fascinates her as well. We both run the practice up here. But the only thing that really matters is, is as I said to all my patients with this, is that the proof is in the pudding. How do you feel as a result of having your brain regulated through this process. And within about 75% of the cases, people start noticing something, you know, pretty, pretty uh, immediately, you know, within it's a 36 visit program, you know, within the first 12 visits or so, you know, with that. Uh, I've said a lot here. Do you guys have any questions before I? Well, actually, yeah, I do, because it's funny. There truly are no coinkadinks, right? Um, yes, we're, we're opening up with the second sun. You bring up the yugas, mm-hmm. as you should, particularly as a healer. In the yugas, there's a binary sun. But what I was beginning to consider is like, I'm going through your notes and we're about to hit those, you know, the differences in how many freaking people have autism and, and all the mental unhappiness that they're saying things like, well, you know, people got locked up for two years. but the sun plays a huge role in our spirituality in just being alive, right? The sun's Absolutely. the guarantor of life here, of consciousness. And so can you imagine if truly what we are seeing is the introduction of what we could call a second sun or a normalization, a coming to the fore, wouldn't that by itself have an effect on, you know, people would feel discombobulated. For one thing, they don't know about it or there's no cause. And I'm not trying to drag us off, but it's interesting to me that we opened up talking about two sons. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you got me thinking about it because the sun plays a massive role in our consciousness. Of course it does. We are all part of this universal collective. And if you think about us all existing on, you know, on a fourth and fifth dimensional level, which are, 
you know, which is more quantum physics. This is why what you think about happens in physical reality. You see, if you could start controlling your physical reality by controlling the energy of your thoughts, and your thoughts are just photons electric, and, and electrical energy as well. I mean, everything is electric. Everything is either thermodynamic, electrical in nature, we can, or, or photonic. I mean, the universe consists of this light, right? And the, and the photons coming from the sun, for all we know, this is the initial you know, we're all solar batteries, you know? Every single plant on this planet relies on the sun. We rely on the sun. For all we know, we, it's, that's, how, that's, that's what replenishes our nervous system. It's why we like going in the sunshine. Right? Everything. It's, it's not only for vitamin D. Uh, that's one of the reasons. But we're just so connected. Everything today, if you notice, Crow, and, and you're right, when we get into our shows together, we... We generally have other levels of consciousness coming in here guiding us, and I love that. <laughs> and it's just so pleasurable for me to do these shows with you. Um, so it's all connected. It really is all connected. And that's why I say today's spirituality and mysticism is tomorrow's science. You just confirmed it right there. I mean, these complicated photonic processes, okay, charging our health and our bodies, I mean, they go so far beyond what we understand at this point, which is trying, which is why at this point in time, we're just coming out of Kali Yuga, right? So they're trying to do everything they can to push us back into Kali Yuga and prevent us from enlightenment. Probably we should say yes, though. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And the way they're doing that is with all these, you know, ridiculous shots, which if you really look into them, I mean, these shots are are blockages of your nerve flow, not only uh, because of the obvious poisons that they have in them and the genetic manipulation that they're trying to do with them, but they're also working on the, the fourth and fifth dimension. All right, they're trying, to, they're trying to eat your soul with these shots. And that's a spiritual way of saying they're trying to pirate your nerve energy. Okay, I don't know all the ways that they're trying to do that, but there are many people, there are a few books talking about it right now, uh, particularly the anthroposophical people from Rudolf Steiner are all, and Steiner talked about this a hundred years ago, all right, how uh, when he was experiencing uh, them giving shots for the uh, smallpox pandemic, you know, he was like, hey, everybody, they're stealing your soul. They're stealing your soul with these things. And everybody's like, ha, 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 yeah, yeah, we're just trying to prevent smallpox. Go ahead, get smallpox if you need to. But that's a whole other show talking about the smallpox fraud. I have a bit of it in my new book coming up. But, you know, I got into this initially because, as you see in my notes there, a crow, you know, when baby boomers like us, we experienced no autism, right? Who was autistic in our, when we were kids? Well, your, your notes are a little discombobulated, but I think it says one in a hundred thousand in the eighties autism was, is that what it says? No, it, no. In, in the eighties, it went to one in 10,000 were autistic. When you and okay. I were born in the fifties, yep. I'm assuming you were born. In the 50s. Six, I, I'm early sixties. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm early sixties. Okay. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an old guy. I was born in 57. And yep. when we get at that time, when they first started rolling these toxic shots out uh, with Jonas Salk's initial idea, you know, maybe we got two or three. I mean, now we're up to like 70, 80 shots giving kids. So back in that time, who, I mean, we had a couple of kids in our class that might have been kind of special. Maybe, maybe everybody had one in the school. 
right? So one in ten in the eighties, autism one in was 10, occurring 000. one in yeah. ten thousand. Now, right. but, but now back in the fifties, it was probably one in a hundred thousand. But there are the statistics on it. Right. I mean, they didn't there aren't very many statistics then. because they didn't keep any stats because it was nobody knew what it was, right? So right now we're at one in thirty-eight people. One in thirty-eight human beings on this planet are autistic in some way. Now, you want to talk about a pandemic? Let's talk about that. So how is it that mainstream doctors aren't noticing this? They notice it. They're just not talking about it. You know, they leave it to the crazy chiropractor to talk about that, right? Plus, plus there's no system, purposely no system. Plus, there's the pressure of doing what you're told. And But I would point out another thing, guys. When I go out and I see all these people jammed in their phones, like I don't even go out to dinner anymore. I can't take it. Last time I went out to dinner, everyone, every table didn't talk. They just sat there and, and, it, and I started to occur. That's autism. That's like autistic behavior. I mean, am I wrong, doctor? Isn't that like almost? Well, well it's, I mean, there was an episode, Jason, of Star Trek Next Generation. Remember that when, when Wesley Crusher was the only one that was, that was awake? You remember that? And they uh, went to a planet where everybody, uh, where, where they had this game and the aliens were trying to take over the ship. Uh, who look just like humans, by the way, but they introduced this game that they put on top of their heads that they just couldn't get, they couldn't stop doing. Remember that one? Yeah. And uh, it reminds me of the cell phones because we are so addicted to these things that people just can't stop looking at them. You know, I mean, my wife and I, we went out to, we went out to dinner last night and uh, we were sitting there and it's, you know, beautiful by the water and everything else like that. We don't, you know, we only keep our cell phone with us because we have a, you know, we have a daughter in college and if she has anything that she needs to talk to us about, which could be at the last moment, you know, we, we just kind of keep it there, but we never look at it. And, you know, for the most part, I do, I don't see it as much as maybe you do there, Crow, but and it, it depends on where you go to dinner. I mean, you know, if, if people are going out to dinner and they're paying for a nice dinner and, and they really value sitting down and just using the experience as a connection with each other, which I still see as well. I don't, I haven't seen that in so long. Well, if you, you know, it's, uh, it depends. Yeah. I guess it depends on where you're going. You know, it, it almost sounds like a class thing in a sense where folks of a little higher class are going to a nicer place because they want to go to a nicer place and they don't want to be bothered with phones. No, I do see it though. I do see it particularly amongst kids. And we've had this trouble with our kids raising them. I mean, we have a, we've always had a strict policy, no cell phones at the dinner table. And uh, particularly, you know, our youngest, I mean, you know, growing up in Gen Z there, it's, it's been like, it's a, that's a real struggle, you know, check your cell phone out the door. I mean, the older, you know, the baby boomers have no problem with that. Uh, my older child has no problem with that being a millennial. But uh, we're just so much more attached to these things. And how does that now, that, that ties into neurofeedback as well, because the light, everything, everything is on a quantum level. We, we, we said that, right? And so your nervous system also works on an electrical quantum level. So uh, the light from those devices, even just from stuff that you really can't avoid, you know, television screens, computer screens, uh, you can get blue blockers for them. They help somewhat. but even you know, especially your cell phone, the electrons coming off of that, that go into your eyes. Okay. They affect your nervous system and it also dysregulates the brain. So all of these things, particularly number one is, is emotional stress. Okay. That, which uh, many people have now, but 
and childhood uh, trauma and stress, all of these things, plus all of these electronic devices, they throw off the nervous system. And that's what we do with neurofeedback. We put the nervous system electrically back together again. And how do we do that? We do that by taking those same lights that come off of the cell phone, that come off of the TV screen, and reversing the pattern that throws off the nervous system, and we reverse it so that it puts it back together again. Wow. Now, how's that for cool? I want to say how, man. How, how is this done? Uh, the actual technology I save for the, uh, for the writers of the software and for the different neurologists and psychologists that actually make the actual program. But I know that it works from 15 years of doing this with people and understanding that, the, see, the protocol... The first thing we do is a is a uh, what's called a qualitative electroencephalogram. Uh, we put a, a a cap on people's heads with with gel in it, and that cap then translates into a computer program and it reads the electrical activity of your brain. So it's called a brain map or a brain scan. So we can I'm taking an electronic picture of your brain. So we're seeing where you're at right now. Where's that dysregulation happening? Okay. Once we get that, the computer will then bounce off 5,000 case histories that we've had uh, within this franchise. And it will say, okay, well, you know, here's how we've corrected this in the past. So here's how this patient relates. And if it, if it worked for this patient, it's got to work for the next. And that's basically how it works. All right. With maybe about 50% of the knowledge necessary, we're able to still produce a level of healing that is permanent up to like 25 30 years according to the research this is not a new this is not a new field this has been going on for about 125 years it's just that it's more sophisticated now with computer technology and you know i i i mentioned this before you can when i mentioned bf skinner you can use nervous system conditioning for evil, or you could use it for good. And you could do that in any sense, okay? A fire could be used to, you know, to burn down somebody's house, or it could be used to, you know, to cook your food, right? It's the same. It's, it's where are we going in consciousness? And once we learn how energy works, how are we, how are we using it to, to help humanity? And this is a way to help people. Yeah, go ahead, Crow. Well, I was going to just point out, you know, because I think people listen to this and they get intrigued, but I always try to think of a real world experience that people can have. So they recognize the power of what we're talking about. And what came to my mind when you were talking about reversing the lights from like these devices, I was going to make this suggestion to people. I've done it before, but people should see the power of just what lights do in the first place. There's a little free program online called F dot lux l-u-f l-u-x f-lux what it does is it matches your geography so as the sun goes down wherever you are it begins to pull the blue light out of your monitor the first night that i did this the first night and you know i'm always working late making an image or doing something not as much as i used to but i used to always be burning you know 10 at night still in front of this blue screen the this, oil. Yeah. yeah. So you put the flux on, you can put it on your cell phones too. The reason I'm telling you this, if you do this, you'll recognize the power of what those lights are doing because right away you'll sleep better. I'm just saying, I'm trying to give an example that people can relate to what you're saying. So they get that this is not, this is not woo woo. No, it's not. And there are other neurofeedback programs for free that you could also get online. 
Okay. You can buy neurofeedback systems on Amazon for 150 bucks. Okay. Really? Now, of course, now they don't, they don't, neurofeedback is as easy as having something that sounds that are in a, you can buy a neurofeedback program for $150, right? And it, it, you download it to your cell phone. And it's essentially sounds, which are a little odd, but you put them, you, you put them on your headset and you just sit down and close your eyes. And then the sounds put you into what's called an alpha state. Have you ever heard of that alpha state? Yes. Okay. So many people say it, but they don't really know what it means. It just means alpha neurons. Alpha neurons are between beta, which is deep con- you know, conversation like we're having now, and sleep which is the theta and the delta, okay? So alpha is in between there. And alpha tends to be where you relax, right? So what it's doing is helping you meditate. It's helping you create a state of relaxation if you have no other distractions around, right? Now, those are good, but they don't create a permanent change in the brain, which is what more sophisticated neurofeedback systems, we use something called brain core therapy, and if you can't get to me, folks, you could just look that up online. YouTube has one of the creators, um, Dr. Guy Annunziata on there. And he's talking about uh, brain core, two words, brain core, and then therapy. And he uh, talks about his journey, which is fascinating, about how he got into it. There are many testimonials on there, too, about how it works. Um I chose this particular franchise because uh, it has uh, chiropractors as the creators, as well as neurologists and psychologists and psychiatrists. But um, when I was looking into neurofeedback healing programs, I did so for about three years before I chose this one because I wanted to have something that produced the most amount of results in the shortest period of time, you know, for the uh, for the, the the least cost for people. And that's what this accomplishes as far as I'm concerned. I mean, because the results are really miraculous. And we were talking about the autistic rate. Creating a population of autism, it is what it is now at 1 in 38. I mean, thinking about what we're going to do with these people, you know, later on down the road. I mean, the baby boomers and, you know, the, the, the generations ahead of us, we're all taking care of these autistic people right now what happens when we're not here where are these people going to go instant yeah i mean where are they going yeah it's going to be institutionalization isn't it now i take care now there are many different levels of autism and we can very effectively pull kids and people out of certain levels of autism i've done it dozens of times in our practice it's called high functioning right so you know you have the the autism has been registered uh and you know the teenager is just you know they're they're still able to function they're still able to a lot of them have you know different gifts as well which which they excel in um but the neurofeedback program is able to uh, we've had so many kids that just uh, a lot of autism in the high functioning realm is they can still function within school system they might have to have a special class but they can still you know but they might not be able to go to college or have relationships because they just can't connect into the heart. And our system, we've had dozens of kids who have come out of the high functioning autism, now have girlfriends and boyfriends, uh, are able living to just, on their own, living on their own, wow. boyfriends, boyfriends and girlfriends, going to college, 
and you know some of the testimonials are on are on just on Google on our Google page. You know, with that, I mean, it's it's really this is neurofeedback aimed at. Is it mostly high functioning autism or autism in general? Well, I mean, neurofeedback. Our system can definitely help, uh, definitely help, and even in some cases, pull kids out of the high functioning autism. Now, the 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 more deep you go into autism, I do have I do have. Uh, more, you know, deeper autistic kids, you know, that are barely speaking. And we do see them as well. Um, I, my wife is really good with working with them and, um, we get results with them too, but are they going to go to college? I don't think so. You know, but you know, if they're not sleeping through the night, we get that happening. So they're sleeping through the night. If they're not going to the bathroom, we get them going to the bathroom and sitting on the toilet. If they're not speaking in full sentences, we get them to speak in more complete sentences. And the school sees it. This they they see the the differences. You know, so I would say that there, it, there is a spectrum of this autistic paradigm, which goes up. Uh, we treat very effectively those who are in the upper echelon of autism within 75% or above. When you start getting below the 75%, like if you're in the 50% range, it's a lot tougher. When you're below that 50% range, there's nothing we can do. I don't know if there's anything anybody can do. And I guess my main point here is what are we going to do with these people, you know, later on down the road? I mean, yeah, let, we me, have a let society, me jump in. Is, isn't this yeah. part of the queue up for the police state? Let's be honest. Yeah. You asked oh, the question, Absolutely. how the heck, oh, when the parents and all the older people are gone and can't take care of them, isn't that going to be used to institutionalize basically maybe not one in 38 people, but a heck of a lot of people. I'm just saying, well, and the autistic brain is very compliant to, uh, to stimulus and response. I mean, talk about operant conditioning, you know, I mean, so the autistic brain, especially, you know, you could, I mean, you have a, you have a slave working force as well. They'll sit in front of screens. No problem, right? Well, you know, it's uh, no problem there in, in, in some cases, but you know, there are still levels of autism that, you know, these, these people, they, they, they always will need help, you know? And so it's a solid 70 years of vaccine abuse. Uh, perpetrated upon our children that has that have caused this, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not afraid to say that, you know. But everybody else and their dog that is associated with the pharmaceutical industry will tell you, oh, you know, they started this about a decade ago, saying, oh, autism has nothing to do with vaccines. Nothing. It's it's just one of these memes that they put out. These these mind control memes that you'll see all over the mainstream news. You know, vaccines don't cause autism vaccines don't cause blah, 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 blah. it's it's kind of like safe and effective right what are the other memes that are out there you know safe and effective safe and effective you know vaccines don't cause autism and you know the average person will just even if they don't say it they'll just have that running in their brain so that they don't make the connection anymore you know but i'm here to tell you oh 70 years of vaccine abuse has definitely created the autistic pandemic that we have right now and i introduced this in my book, Goodbye Germ Theory, 25 years ago, and was like, you know, one of the only ones talking about this with an array of other natural, you know, doctors. And guess what? When the pandemic happened, when the, when the pandemic happened, um, and they started, and, and all the other, these other doctors started jumping in saying that, you know, the, the COVID vaccines aren't good and Good. I'm glad that they're all around, but do you notice that we're still not talking about autism? <laughs> We're still not talking about it, are we? We're still not talking about the massive neurological damage 
that we have in our culture from these ridiculously toxic uh, injections. What, that what about getting. Parkinson's and Alzheimer's? I am convinced Just about to that get there. what right. was done to me in the Marine Corps, I had between, I don't even know, oh, yeah. between you 15 were, you, you were and 20. Up. 15 yeah. and 20 inoculations. I had early onset Parkinson's symptoms in my 30s had I not met the people that I met in my life and recognized what homeopathy could actually do by a skilled practitioner, I would have been, I wouldn't be able to work. Two years, you can ask Jason, two years ago, I was at a point where I thought I might have another year in me. And now I'm good. But I'm convinced that it is the, the inoculations I got. And then there's my mother who died of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and was a firm believer in the flu vaccine every year. So there I'm just you asking you, doctor, we can't draw the line at just autism. I mean, no, what about, and I'm not, what about and I'm not. Parkinson? Yeah. Oh, please. I mean, it, it listen, I'm not, I, it just due, due to my own anonymity, I'm just going to say that I've, I've known plenty of people personally through this debacle and also within my practice to get the death jab. And then all of a sudden, one week later, now they have Parkinson's. Now they have, now they have dementia that they never have before. Now they're losing their sight. I mean, and people are so brainwashed from the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, that they just, it's, it's one of two things. They're brainwashed, number one, that they just keep saying, even, the, even though they're directly stabbing them in the back, they keep saying, oh, that's not them stabbing me in the back. No, no, they're not doing that. Okay. No, well, no, I just, you know, you know, grandpa just got the dementia, even though he never had a sign of it after he got his you know shot because uh, that he's just old and that has nothing to do with the shots people are just so conditioned to not blame the obvious that it's uh it, first of all you know before these shots became prevalent we have so much more of these things autism alzheimer's Parkinson's, dementia, so so many different varying forms of dementia than we used to have in the 60s or even the 70s. But we didn't have all these flu vaccines in the 70s. We had a flu vaccine, but nobody took it, right? Bobby Kennedy, one of the most brilliant things he says is that, you know, the, the definition of communism is when the government owns the corporations. The definition of fascism is when the corporations own the, the government, right? And that's what we have had going on. Uh, for you know, so much more than fifty years in our country, and it's just so underpinned that nobody sees it because you have all of these, you know, wave the flag, and we've got uh, all of this illusion going on that we are free. But as long as we have this fascist element, okay, of pharmaceutical industry and many other industries that own our government, that make the laws that exonerate the very companies that are screwing us and killing us and maiming us and disabling us. We exonerate them from liability. Okay? As long as we're doing that, we're living by law. Well, this is by law because they own the politicians. They make the laws. Right. I mean, we get some very nice window dressing out there. They're still illegal, I would point out, just because it's a law. Of course. Of course it's illegal. But, but, I mean, the scope of what you're saying, if we talk about autism, it's jaw-dropping. If we add in Parkinson's, it's double jaw dropping. If we add in Alzheimer's, but it goes beyond that. What about sexual dysphoria, which is taking off? What about the decline in masculinity? Can't we start to park all these ideas at a similar doorstep? 
exactly. You know, I mentioned that too. I mean, it's, it's the sexual dysphorics. I mean, just, look, I mean, there's a reason that our kids are so amenable to saying, well, gee, maybe you're a girl if you're a boy. Maybe you're a boy if you're a girl. I mean, the Greenwich Patriots here just had a kudos to Jackie Homan for putting together this group. I mean, because she's fighting the nonsense that's going on in our schools uh, right here in Fairfield County, Connecticut. You don't have you, you don't have any of this going on down in uh, Charleston County, South Carolina. By the way, they don't they don't allow they don't tolerate any of this bull crap. But up here in the north, it's just ridiculous how they are grooming the kids. We're getting close to the top of the hour. We're going to have to cut here pretty quick. But I want to point out a thing. Everybody's aware of the whole Bud Light, the woke, and all the meme nonsense that goes on. But did you know that they get credit ratings? And the people who issue the credit ratings are literally forcing them to have an, you know, a rating for their sexual agenda. They're called ESG scores. Oh, yeah, sure. if you don't do it, then you lose your rating and you can't get funded. So actually, these corporations, which everyone likes to make fun of, whether or not they should be made fun of, they're being, if they need the loans and the funding, they're being, for, they're, it's a, it's a catch-22. They're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. Well, what they're saying is that, they, why are they doing this? Because they're losing their customer base, which they are, but they don't care about their customer base. They, they didn't have a about. choice. They didn't That's have a choice. Yeah, because right. they had to get their loans. They did have a choice. But I've, I've got a wrap right here because we've got to prep up. And I want to get heavy into the inoculations when we come back as well. But um, as I close up here, Rose reminded me that in episode 306.5, that second son was proven by Cammie Nodell, who recently lost her husband, by the way, by using Polaroid filters to prove that this is not a lens flare, that it is actually an object. And you can you can catch the episode. And I have a feeling this relates too with the whole vaccine agenda. Can you imagine if this is right and we're about to have at some point in the future two suns in the sky? What's that do to consciousness and spirituality and all the other things? But I'm going to wrap up. Jason, anything you want to add before I close up and prep for hour two? Let's just make sure Dr. Trebing gets all his contact info out there. I was getting there. Dr. Trebing, where can people contact you or find your information? Beautiful. We have two brain core offices for neurofeedback um, to heal the nervous system energetically and electronically. And if folks want to join us, just go on Google and look up brain core neurofeedback, either in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina or in Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, and if you don't, if you're not around any of these areas, look up a brain core therapy or brain core neurofeedback practitioner in your area simply by going on the brain core therapy uh, site.com and punch in your zip code and you will find somebody doing this great work right around you. It's a hell of an era when the real when the epidemic causes the real epidemic. Yeah. But anyhow, that's going to be the end of hour one of episode 506. The first hour is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. Members know to log in for the full episode and members get free access to shoot the moon. And again, uh, the first filming of the double sun, if that's what it is, is included at the end of shoot the moon. Jason and I decided to include it at the last minute. It's there. If you're a member, you have free access. Also, Dr. Trebing, the day this goes live, you can get your links into the comments under the episode. With that, we're going to prep up. Hope to see you as a member on the other side. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing.